Sean Murphy is the backstroke champion, winning both the 100 and 200 here at the Olympic Games. And he's the lead-out swimmer for the USA, and he's in lane five. But in lane four, it's Walker Hebbon of Great Britain, who has a very good start as well. But really, the USA looking good, and Ryan Murphy should take them through. The, the overhead camera is running right above Ryan Murphy. He's able to use that camera cable as his guide to do that very thing, Rowdy. He swims straight. He yeah, I'm sorry, Tim. He outsplit everybody by a second, that third 50. One full second on the third 50. That's where he won the race, right there. So Murphy will win the championship. In fact, Murphy was swimming close to world record pace. His winning time of 51.97 seconds was only three one-hundredths of a second outside the world record, but it was a new Olympic record. The final of the men's 200 metres backstroke. Murphy took the lead as they reached the second turn. So the gold medal went to Ryan Murphy of the United States, making him a double backstroke gold medalist at these games. Silver to Mitchell Larkin of Australia and bronze to Evgeny Ryloff of Russia. Welcome to the Greg Bennett Show presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I've just had a delightful conversation with one of the greatest swimmers in the world, currently swimming the 100 meter and the 200 meter backstroke, has held the world record, multiple Olympic medalist, Ryan Murphy. The conversation in this one was just so fantastic. He illustrates and you can visualize and you can feel what it was like in the Rio Olympics and the Tokyo Olympics. and. I especially love the Rio Olympics where he swam in the 4 by 100 meter medley relay with Michael Phelps's last ever Olympic gold medal performance. Ryan led off and broke the world record in the 100 meter backstroke in the lead off for that 4 by 100 medley. And just the way he tells the story with Michael Phelps and, and his final Olympics and his final race at the Olympics, really cool. And then the experience in Tokyo and what it was like when they actually did the 4x100 medley. And this time they broke the world record in that 4x100 uh, medley relay. Just some really great, insightful, inspiring stories from one of the all, not just one of the world's all-time greatest swimmers and just all-round great guy. I, truly appreciating coming on the show and just sharing his stories a little bit of housekeeping before we go on as always thank you so much for listening truly appreciate it if you are enjoying the show i love your feedback uh, please share it if you can with your social platforms i really appreciate it you can go and find ryan murphy at any question go to anyquestion.com forward slash ryan murphy you can listen to all his answers there you can ask him questions free for the first hour go check it out there's tons of uh the world's greatest coaches and, and athletes the swimming channel is just absolutely exploding so go check it out again this conversation was really fantastic i hope you enjoyed as much as i did and remember success comes to those who endure just one moment longer All right, today I'm joined by an icon in the swimming world, one of the greatest the world has ever seen. A six-time Olympic medalist, four gold, a silver and a bronze, seven-time world champion, a world and Olympic record holder for the 100-meter backstroke, 12-time NCAA champion, 28 medals total whilst representing the USA, and I could just keep going on and on and on. Oh, 
And by the way, he's only 26 years of age, so there's plenty ahead of him as well. Um, his answers on any question app have been thoughtful and informative and just really inspiring. And it's just an honor and privilege to have him join today. So welcome and thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show. Ryan Murphy, how are you, mate? I'm doing great, Greg. It's, it's awesome to be here. And, and, and thank you for that super nice introduction. I don't usually think about all of those things uh, one after the other. So that, that makes me sound pretty cool. It makes me sound probably a little bit better than I think of myself. <laughs> I'm, I, I, it's one of my favorite things on the show is to kind of lead out with that introduction. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, what goes through your head when you hear that? Is it a sense of accomplishment? Is it a little bit embarrassed? What, what, what went through your head just then? Well, it makes me feel like I'm old. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a first thing. <laughs> I, it honestly hasn't really set in that I've got four golds and, and a silver and a bronze at the Olympics. I'm, I'm still used to the, the three-time gold medalist introduction. Uh, I haven't, haven't done it enough. I mean, really with COVID, there just hasn't been as many opportunities to do in-person stuff. So I haven't had to introduce myself as much. I, mm. I really haven't thought about it uh, like that. So it's, it's cool. I mean, it, there's been a lot that's been done so far in my career and, and I'm really proud of it. And that's fun. It's exciting because I, I know that I can do it and I know that I can continue to do it. I've really enjoyed doing homework for this one. You know, it's just obviously I've watched you guys in the Olympics. I'm not going to lie. I was probably rooting for the Australians sometimes next year. But of course. as a dual citizen, <laughs> I am a dual. I am an American Australian now. So there's a great pride there as well. So, you know, it's been fantastic just watching you guys these last couple of Olympics, but doing homework spe specifically for this episode. I have my four-year-old and two-year-old sit on my lap and we just watch YouTube races of you guys racing at the Olympic Games or World Championships. And it's just, it's a real thrill to now be able to just speak with you in person and, and sort of dissect how you just are doing such great performances around the world. But before we go on, um, you know, where, where are you at the moment? Where are you calling me from? Yeah, so I'm in Oakland, California. So I, I still do my training out of Cal Berkeley. Mm -hmm. Oakland's nice. It's it's far enough. It's like a 15-minute drive. So it's far enough that I don't feel like I'm in a college town. I'm around <laughs> people that are more my age, which is great. And it kind of gets me away from from thinking about the pool. When yeah. I'm in Berkeley, like I, I associate Berkeley with swimming and, and hardcore training. Uh, so, so being in Oakland has been has been great this past year. Nice, nice. And and we're we're talking on a Wednesday morning your time. You've got up to speak to me. Have you already trained this morning? I mean, you've got world championship trials yeah. in a few weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. We're about three weeks out of world trials. Uh, but yeah, we had we had morning practice this morning. So I was in uh, six to eight. And then I walked down a quick omelet before I got on here. So if I'm sniffling, if I sniffle at all, it, it was kind of a spicy omelet. So that's that's why. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you can always mute yourself if you got to do a big sniff, but I, I appreciate you jumping on um, so early. What was the workout like this morning, Wednesdays? Is there, do you guys follow like a weekly routine or is Wednesday a special day? Yeah. So now we're kind of moving into taper time. Mm. So swimmers, I, I don't, I don't know how long, uh, you guys as triathletes typically taper, but I could go anywhere from like a three to five week taper. So right now being three weeks out today was, today was just kind of long and light. Uh, mm -hmm. so just kind of longer swims, nothing really above 150 heart rate. Uh, so just keep it chill, focus on the technique, turn off the brain at some points. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the focus this morning. Is the focus for worlds, the 100, 200 back double again? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, 
this year, probably a little bit more focus has been placed on the hundred back. Mm-hmm. Um, just coming off the Olympics, like we did a lot of training leading into 2021. Mm-hmm. And so this year it's, it's kind of nice. We could, we could take the benefit of having all of that capacity that we built last year, try to get a little bit more speed on it. Mm-hmm. I'll do the 50 back or well, knock on wood. Hopefully I make everything, but if, if I make it, I'll do the 50 back as well. And, and that's kind of just a fun one that we get to do at worlds. It's interesting, actually. I've been wondering that because I've had a few swimmers on the on the show now, and I was wondering even before you know I've had you all on is it's why don't we have any fifty meter races apart from the the freestyle at the Olympics? Yeah, I think there's. I mean, I think there's a traditional component in swimming. I think traditionally everyone everyone learns to swim freestyle first, mm. uh, at least in the U.S. There's rumors that in Hungary you learn to swim butterfly first. <laughs> I, I can't confirm that. <laughs> but, brutal, brutal. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what we say in the U.S. because Hungary is just like loaded in the 200 fly all the time. I mean, there's like it's just ridiculous. Like year after year, there's just a new Hungarian that's going really fast in the 200 fly. So, so we just think they're doing it really young. But but we learn freestyle first, and so I, th- I think we just kind of expand the event profile for freestyle. And and maybe eventually you get there with the other strokes where maybe there's a 400 backstroke at some point. Mm. You never really know. Mm. But for now, I think it's, it's just kind of steeped in tradition of, of how people learn. What's harder, the 200 fly or the 400 IM? Because they're both brutal races. They're long sprints that just it's whoever can last, right? Yeah, I would – man, it would uh, – it's kind of a personal preference. Like, <laughs> like, do you prefer just to, I mean, 200 fly, I haven't done it in a while. So I'm, I'm kind of talking off the cuff here, yeah. but 200 fly, I feel like you're just swimming smooth. And then you just, the, the term that a lot of people say is, is you get sniped. You just get sniped and then you can't move anymore. Um, and, and so that's 200 fly. It's just your muscle is shut down. Yeah. 400 IM, you could actually sustain you could just sustain like a 200 heart rate for like the whole race. I mean, those guys are, are really, really good, uh, fitness beasts. Mm. And so it's kind of something that I take into my training. I think I am training is, is the best to build aerobic capacity. So I try to do a lot of, I am to, to get myself in, in good shape mm. throughout the season. So I'd say four, Oh, I'd say 400 I am is harder, uh, 200 fly, probably hurts more though that makes sense <laughs> i love it i i think you're all nuts but i think it's fantastic hey i gotta mention but bef- right before i came on on this i was um with my business partner ed baker and he said to say hi by the way and he reminded me again that he went to the same high school as you at bowls high school in jacksonville mm-hmm. florida and i've got to tell you i've done some homework on this bowls high school it really is quite an exceptional school and the athletes that it's been producing. And, and I even did see on any question Ed asked you, what's the secret sauce to Bowles High School and how does it produce so many Olympians? Jo- Joseph Schooling was with you, who secured mm-hmm. Singapore's first ever Olympic gold in the 100 fly. Was he the same year as you even at Rio Olympics? Were you guys same classmates? Or I mean, this is incredible. Yeah, so we're the same age. So Joseph's birthday is... I think June 16th and mine's July 2nd. Wow. So we're yeah two weeks apart. Uh, the way Singapore does school, they go, I think they go February to November. Yeah. So similar, similar to you guys. Yeah. yeah. I think you guys go that way. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. So when he, when he came over to Bulls, we go, I mean, our school year is August to May. Hmm. 
So he was in the middle of a school year in Singapore. So they put him in the grade below me. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was the grade below me at Bowles. What is the secret sauce? What, why Bowles High School? What is it there that's got, I mean, I'll mention Caleb in a moment as a training partner, but you know, yeah. what do you think? It's crazy. I mean, I, I think it, I mean, I think incredible cultures always start at the top. So I think at Bowles, that would be like the headmaster. So the headmaster has always been supportive of athletics um, and and thinks that athletics complement the classroom. And so that's something that's key uh, to be in a place that values athletics. Mm -hmm. And then Bowles has has always had really good coaches. So, I mean, kind of going back, like Greg Troy started – at Bowles, uh, and, and Troy kind of built Bowles to a, to a really good level. And then it gets handed off, I think, to, to Larry Schof and then Rick Bishop and then Sergio Lopez. <laughs> I love Sergio. Uh, I love Sergio. <laughs> I love his answers on the any question. He's awesome. I know. And he's incredible. And, and all of those personalities mm. are pretty different. Mm-hmm. So you got guys that have coaches that have different personalities coming in the expectation is, is excellence and the tradition is there. So it's just, we've been lucky that even when there's lulls in the type of talent that are coming out of bowls, it's, it's quick. And and then it just kind of bounces right back. So, Mm. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to put a a finger on it totally, but, but bowls was an incredible experience and I was lucky to be around some freak athletes out there. Yeah. It, it really is amazing. I actually went, you know, just to their Wikipedia and looked up the alumni and the amount of athletes that come out of that school and, you know, just blew me away. Um, and, and I did mention Caleb Dressel, uh, for people that don't know, listeners, probably one of the greatest Olympians right now, um, seven gold medals. Um, you've been on relays with him. I sent him a note saying, you know, I'm going to have Ryan Murphy on the, the podcast, you know, what are your thoughts kind of thing. And he texted me back and I'm going to read you the text that he said. He said, I've always looked up to the guy since high school. He taught me what it takes to be great at an early age. We swam different events, but I was always chasing his attack in practice, his mindset, his technique, and of course, his underwaters, smiley face. Being captain with him this summer means more than he will ever know. I thought that was a really cool note that he, um, Caleb yeah, Dressel yeah, said. That, so, that's super nice. Yeah. Uh, hey, if we were on camera, I'm smiling right now. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> that's super great though. Yeah. I mean, Caleb, I, I remember the first time, the first time I saw slash met Caleb, I was five years old. Uh, so we started swimming in the same summer league in Jacksonville. And, you know, it's like, it's like, any any little summer league so you're like you're going to a meet and and you hear whispers it's like oh well there's there's a really good guy on on st john's that's where that's where caleb grew up swimming um there's a really good guy in st john so so keep an eye out like this this kid <laughs> this kid could break your records and uh and i was like oh you you, you hear that like you hear that every once oh, in a all while. the time you hear it all the time there's always somebody amazing coming yeah yeah exactly exactly and, and so i remember watching caleb and caleb was i mean he was all bone no muscle as a four-year-old four-year-old um, but he was he was wicked i mean the guy was hauling was hauling some butt in in the water four years old hang on can we just pause for a second we're talking four yeah, and yeah. five-year-old racing here I, I okay go on i just need to have that little moment sink in yeah yeah exactly so i mean just crazy like it's crazy how long that that we've known each other we grew up in the same we grew up in the same city ended up 
swimming for the same club team. He's always been a guy whose talent has has really stood out. Where Caleb has really grown and developed, he he understands the mentality so well now. Yeah. I think in sports, like especially as you're kind of building a career, building longevity, it, it comes down to to the mental aspect more than anything. Mm-hmm. And so Caleb is Caleb's at a point now where he's he he really knows how to work. He knows how to how to study races. He knows how to how to sit, keep a consistent mindset on a day-to-day basis. He understands like who he needs to surround himself with to, to have success. Mm-hmm. And he understands what motivates him. So I think all of those things are are incredible. And and then on the leadership side, this past summer, I mean, he's a he's an awesome leader. Uh, I think I think we probably we probably come at it from different angles. So I, I actually think like as a unit, like we, we have a pretty, a pretty solid leadership group with, with me and Caleb. So it was, uh, it was awesome being a captain with him. And it's just been so cool to, to see the success that, that he's had over the years and, and is going to continue to have throughout his career. It's something special to hear two great champions um, celebrate each other and what they mean to each other. Uh, and, and from what I can tell from Caleb, he attributes a lot of his success to you. And I even read somewhere, where I think he almost called you like his big brother or something like that. And, and I thought, you know, just what a great role model you've been for him. What does it mean in swimming to be a captain of the team in, in that, that leadership role? What roles do you have to play beyond just doing your job and turning up and swimming well? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think everyone kind of comes at it a little bit, a little bit differently. So I think the the biggest thing is it's a huge honor. I mean, USA mm. Swimming has been incredible for as long as I've been alive, and and I'm sure they were really dominant before that too. So you you understand the the tradition of the team, mm-hmm. but then you also have to understand that the personalities, the dynamics of the team are constantly changing. So you have to get to know the new people on the team, make sure that they feel comfortable in the setting. Once they feel comfortable in the setting, then you could kind of start taking advantages of the strengths they bring to the table. Hmm. I, I think that whole process is uh, it's really fun because uh, it kind of forces you to I mean, it forces you to, to interact with everyone, which is which is really cool because uh, you're you're around just ridiculously good athletes <laughs> and ridiculously accomplished people. So being able to to get to know them is, is awesome. And and then trying to figure out what their what their leadership strength is and, and then trying to put them in a position to to really help out the entire team. Are you guys, when you go to world championships, can you be captains there as well? Or is it just Olympic games you do captains? No, we, yeah, we do it every every major meet. So they have it at, uh, at world championships too. Oh, sometimes it's three people, sometimes it's two. So that number is always, always a little bit different. Well, congrats to you both. It's, it's obviously a, a very huge honor. I mean, I have heard the title. I, I think I was just curious as to... Yeah, how it all operated, but it's fantastic to see that two guys that have known each other since our four or five have been captains of the U.S. Olympic team together. I think it's very, very cool. And on that, I, I, I want to actually go touch back on all of that a little bit more. One of my favorite things to do in this show is to sort of rewind the clock and really getting mm-hmm. an understanding of, well, how, how you found your passion for swimming. And I think I even saw Brett Hawke asked you on the Any Question app, you know, did did swimming choose you or did you choose swimming? And I'm just curious how you found the pool and how you made your way to Jacksonville, Florida. Cause I don't believe you were born in Florida, but take me through your For journey. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I was born in Chicago and I'm the youngest, I'm the youngest of three. My, my brother and my sister were also born in Chicago. 
basically I was, I was born in July of 1995. My dad got transferred down to Jacksonville for work. I, I want to say in August of 95. So he was, he was renting a place in, in Jacksonville. We had to wait because my parents are young too. So they didn't, they didn't really have any money when, when I was born. Uh, so we had to wait to sell our house in Chicago uh, for the rest of us to move down. So, so we waited, waited, eventually sold. We moved down to Jacksonville in December of 1995. So I, I didn't make it through a single Chicago winter. Uh, that's kind of my claim to fame. And, well and I've been soft. I've been soft with the cold ever since. Yeah, I don't blame. I'm the uh, same. Yeah, yeah. So we we got down to to Jacksonville, and we were in a in a community that had a pool. So, I mean, we were three kids within three and a half years basically maybe like three years and nine months. So a lot of young energy going around and my parents found that bringing us to the pool was a nice way to get us tired. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, it started with the, with the floaties on each arm. I had my, what do people call them now? They call them like the little wings, like angel wings or something. I don't know. (laughs) That's what I wore. I had the, the floaties on my arms and I was just running around the pool deck, kind of chasing after my older siblings Eventually, as I turned four, that's when you were allowed to join the the summer league swim team. Mm. And that was really cool because all my best friends were in the neighborhood. So we all joined the summer league swim team. We all joined the soccer team. We all joined baseball. We all joined flag football. So we kind of had this, we kind of had this like core group that was doing every sport. And eventually, I mean, things, things progress. And and so we kind of kept that up, honestly, all the way until we were, until we were 12, that's when soccer became travel, baseball became travel, flag football became tackle football, mm. and then swimming was, was getting more intense too. So uh, at that point is, is when I chose to, to do swimming over the other sports. Was that an easy decision? Like was swimming an obvious choice for you in that sense? Was it the one that you were standing out more than, or were you a natural athlete across all platforms and had to really think which one you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I was pretty good at all of them. So like I was, I was like selected to the the travel soccer team and the travel baseball team. And it wasn't easy, honestly, like it, it wasn't easy at all to pick swimming because honestly, I probably enjoyed football the most. Yeah. yeah. My mom nixed football uh, immediately <laughs> because my, my dad, and, and the reason was my dad played football growing up. He had, a, he had a pretty gnarly injury in high school. And, and, and so my mom was like, I'm not, I'm not having you guys potentially go through that. So she was like, no to football, baseball. I, I, I wasn't huge. Like I wasn't a huge fan of baseball, soccer. I, I did really like soccer mm. and, and it's fun. To, it's really fun to be a part of a team sport. Yeah. And at that point I was always on really small club teams for swimming. So I didn't really understand like that swimming could be a team sport at that point. I knew that I cared the most about swimming because I would get super nervous before every single competition. I read about that. Yeah. That you actually had a you had an issue you were throwing up and you, your mom and dad even had to pull you aside and say, you're going to keep doing that. You're not allowed to swim anymore. What, what was going on there? Exactly. exactly. So, so on the one end, my parents were like, look, like this is a sport. So like if you're not enjoying the sport, if the sport's making you really stressed, really nervous, like mm. we're not – like we, like we don't want to be a part of that. No. And so it was kind of just like, they laid it out there. I mean, it wasn't, it was firm, but it wasn't like mean by any means. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And and I totally agree with that. And then on the other end, some of the girls on my swim team 
We're like, all right, like Ryan's throwing up before every single race. So like <laughs> if there's not a trash can there, he's just doing it on the ground. So we've, we've got to get him a bucket. So the girls on my team decorated a little bucket for me. And I would literally carry this thing up to a race, throw up in the bucket, get up on the blocks, race, and then, uh, well, then throw the throw up in the garbage. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, wow. it was terrible. I mean, it, and, and I think I ended up growing out of it when I was like 11 was by the time it was when I grew out of it. But before that, it was, it was a lot. Are you, would you call yourself fairly highly strong, somebody that has a bit of anxiety to to achieve then is that sort of in your dna i think so mm. yeah i mean i i have a really hard time shutting the brain off mm. um, so i'm always i'm always thinking and then i think as as i've gotten older I've, I've figured out how to how to like have something that i'm focusing on uh at one point and then it's like okay done with that task and now let's focus in on something else but i i'm constantly thinking about about stuff i can be doing mm. and so when it's when it's solely focused on swimming, that's where it does get a little bit, a little much. I often chat on this show about how anxiety, we can use it as a fuel when you realize that the anxiety is there because there's a problem. So a problem needs to be fixed. And if you have an outlet to fix that, then anxiety is a great fuel. You know, it's, it can be a great fuel if, if used correctly, mm -hmm. but it sounds like it might have had the better of you before you turned sort of 11. <laughs> it's, oh, I love how, sure. I love yeah. the, how the, the girls in your team were so sweet. How, how amazing were they to make you a bucket and even take it away after you'd used it? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And, and, and honestly, it, it actually was like a competitive advantage. Uh, so like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, good friends. I'm still good friends with a couple of people I raised when I was like 10. So my, my good friend, uh, Ian was telling me a, a couple of years ago, he was like, dude, like you would roll up behind the blocks with, with that bucket, you'd be blowing chunks in that thing. And at that point I knew it was over. He was like, cause you would throw up before every race and you just still go out there and, and kick some butt. And he was like, it was the most intimidating thing ever. He was like, I could not focus on my race. I was watching you puke. And then I was watching you kick my butt. <laughs> maybe, maybe you bring it back. Maybe that become your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Olympic, the Olympic ready room. Yeah. Just, just blowing chunks. Then just rotate seats. Just do it next to everyone. I can't. <laughs> oh, right. I think that, I think that's a quite, quite an amusing story in itself. So when was it then that you, you know, you, you chose swimming because you went. You didn't want to be tackled, and well, your mum didn't want you to be tackled, and you didn't want to travel with teams. But was there a point where you're like, you know, I really do have some talent and strength here? And was there a moment where you're like, maybe I could be an Olympian kind of thing? When did that all happen? And and was it all around backstroke, or was it you still trying to determine what was your specialty? Yeah. So when I was young, I mean, I, I had success early on. That was nice. I mean, mm. I was someone where I was I was always pretty good at at swimming. Hmm. And so growing up, like when I was 10 years old, I got a national record and that was, that was huge. Like I was really, really excited wow. about that. Hmm. So I got it in the hundred back. Um, and then I was like five, one hundredths of a second away from getting it in the hundred free. So I was pretty good at free and back. Wow. And then when I would turn 12, when I, when I gave up the other sports and started training a little bit, I was on fire when I was, uh, 12 years old. Like, oh. I think I got, I think I got the national record in like the hundred, 200 back, I think 200 fly 400 IM. Wow. Yeah. I was, I was good at it all. And then 
I think the first time I really thought that I had a chance at, at being an Olympian, like honestly, I was always kind of a kid where when you're good, when you're young and you're, you're kind of tall, which is, that's what I was. I was tall and I was fast when I was young. Mm. A lot of what you hear, uh, and it's pretty mean, but like a lot of what you hear is like, Oh, like wait, wait for the other kids to hit their growth spurt. And and then like your advantage is gone. I mean, I kind of believed that growing up. I didn't really, I I was enjoying being good at something, but I, I definitely didn't think that it was going to last forever. Hmm. And so when I was, I wouldn't say I thought I could be an Olympian until I was 16. That year was leading up to the 2012 Olympic trials. And at the beginning of that year, my coach at the time, Sergio Lopez, who you now know through any question, Sergio is, is all about the mind. And so he was telling me, he was like, look, I think you've got a shot to make this Olympic team. And I want you to, to focus in on backstroke this year and, and, and see what we can do. And I was sitting at the other end of the table and I'm like, yeah, Sergio, like, I don't, I don't really think that I'm at that, at that level yet, but like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to, I'm going to work really hard every day. And throughout the year, I followed his plan. I, I got a lot faster in practice. We worked really, really hard. So I got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And by the time I walked up to, to Olympic trials, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at swimming. And I don't think I can make the Olympic team without a lot of help, but like, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And so I ended up getting sixth place in the hundred back at that meet and fourth in the 200 mm. back. And, and even those, like, I didn't feel like they were that great of swims. And so I, I knew, I knew that I can improve off of that. And, and that meet really gave me a ton of confidence moving forward at getting into college. And, and, and then ultimately, like, I think that kind of propelled me into 2016. And during that moment, then I guess college, becomes a big decision when you're probably one of the best in the country, one of the best in the world at a distance. Mm-hmm. You probably had a choice of colleges. That tends to be the route that definitely American athletes take. You know, other athletes around the world sort of might go professional right away. Did you ever think about maybe college, you know, go the professional route and, and which college did you decide to, to pick? Yes. And no, I, I think, uh, I, I never considered going pro. Um, like I, I think one of the great things about my experience at bowls was that we had so many good swimmers there. I mean, we mm. were like in high school, I was lining up next to Joseph and and then Caleb would swim with us on Saturdays and in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so I'd line up next to, to Caleb those days. We had another guy who ended up winning an Olympic medal in Santo Condorelli. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that much, when you have that much talent around you, you, you never, you never think that you're like God's greatest gift to the earth. Uh, you know that there's a lot of really good people out there yeah. uh, because they're they're swimming next to you. And so, I mean, still, like at, at that point, like I knew I was good, but I, I thought that a lot of people were really good at this sport. And, and I thought the sport was just progressing really well. And so it, it definitely kept that, it definitely kept that sense of urgency with me just being around those guys every day mm. as I was choosing college. So my family is, is really academic. Um, so my, my grandpa writes math textbooks for a living. My mom is a college professor. 
Um, my dad started in accounting, ended up transitioning into finance. So really big believers on the academic side. So that was, mm-hmm. that was kind of the first thing I was looking for in a college is like, okay, like I have an opportunity to get in some really, to get into some really good colleges because of my swimming. And I want to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Like you never know, you never know what the future is going to hold in the sport. You never know if you're going to get injured. One of my thought processes was if I got injured tomorrow, was one of the best universities I could get into. That was a big thing. Uh, on the swimming side, I was thinking about, uh, I wanted coaches that were young and hungry and that could potentially, if I had an incredible career coaches that could be with me the rest of my career, that was a big consideration for me. And, and then in terms of like their philosophy, I wanted it to be similar to what I got good with. So at bowls, we were doing a lot of fast stuff, really just a ton of pace and a lot of fast. And I wanted to go to a program that had that sort of similar philosophy so that I could just kind of build on the success I'd already had. And then uh, looking at the, the guys that were on the team. So I knew from being in high school that like, if you're on a really good team, like those are your best friends. Those are the people you're hanging out with. Yeah. And so just making sure that I meshed with the guys and so when I took all those things into consideration, uh, Cal was the best choice for me and, and it turned out great. Yeah. And I guess in the back of your mind, you're thinking Rio 2016 after coming so close for London 2012, the Olympics is now heavily on the radar as a part of that whole mix. So it's like a great environment, getting mm-hmm. the right academic studies and then also having the Olympics, which would have timed pretty well, what, halfway through college, you would have been going to the Olympics then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Olympics were between junior and senior year. Um, so when I came into college, I mean, I was honestly really lucky that in the grade above me, uh, Jacob Pebbly had committed to Cal. So Jacob, I mean, Jacob was really, really good long course and we'd been competing against each other long course every summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he's, he's a little bit old for his grade. So he, he was almost two years, he's almost two years older than me because I'm I'm a July birthday, so I'm pretty young for my grade. Mm-hmm. And so it was great, like going going at it with him every day. It was it was a little bit different. In high school, I had great training partners, but if I was swimming next to Joseph, he's swimming fly. If I'm swimming next to Caleb, he's swimming free. Mm. And so it was nice to have just another backstroker feeling the same sort of pain that I'm feeling. <laughs> and we can and we could just push it. Yeah. And so so we got into that right away. I mean, honestly, my first three years, I lined up next to Jacob every single day. Wow. No matter what the practice was. Like, we lined up next to each other every single day and just went at it. Like, we were going really, really hard every day. It wasn't, like, spoken that the Olympics were on the radar, but when you're training with someone that's really good and you're just pushing each other, like, you're working towards that goal without really realizing it even. Excuse my ignorance, but did Jacob... Make the Olympic team as well then? Yeah. So Jacob made it in 2016. He so did. Yeah. 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 So he made it in the 200 backstroke. That's right. So okay. that was sweet. That's I pretty mean, we, cool. Because we, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's honestly like, that's been another kind of theme like at Cal. It's like, I've, I've been on the team in the 200 backstroke at least. It's been a Cal guy with me every, every single year. Wow. So I've, I've been really, really fortunate to have some, some good training partners that I could teach something to, they could teach something to me and, and we could really push each other to, to get onto the big U S teams. So yeah, Jacob made it in 2016. I think he got, he got fourth or fifth at the Olympics in the 200 backstroke. 
I did watch the video and now, now, now <laughs> I do remember seeing him. I, I look at you and Caleb Dressel and the two of you. What are you doing underwater on those turns? Because it's almost like you go all the way to Bowles High School, you guys training together. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's anybody matching you two. You know, I'm not, there's other great athletes out there, but you two seem to stand out in the world of the ability to come off a wall and those butterfly kicks and the way you move and the way you hold your breath and come out and you explode. And it's like we're talking half a body length to three quarters of a body length over the best in the world, the best in the business. I'm fascinated to get your view on how you've been able – was it something you learned when you were five years old? How, how, have, how have you guys separated yourselves? I just think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I was 10 – uh, I had an I had an awesome coach. So he was the same coach that taught me how to swim. He was he was coaching a club team, and now I'm actually on the board of his swim team. He he's now coaching out in San Jose no uh, with Quicksilver swimming. So I'm I'm on the board of his swim team. What's his name? What's his, what's what's his name? His, his name's Andre Salis Kunha. Okay, he swam at Stanford actually. And so growing up, that's this is a whole sidebar. But growing up, I I always wanted to go to Stanford because my, my swim coach did. Hmm. That was always my dream growing up. So my email was, was Stanford stud 95 at, I think at AOL, AOL.com went back in those days. <laughs> did you say stud? Was it Stanford stud? <laughs> Stanford stud 95. Yep. That's, that's what it was. Uh, oh, I love it. That was, that was always the goal was, yeah. was to go, was, was to go out there. But Andre, when I was 10, he, he told me, he said, look, like it's not going to be fast right now, but you've got to learn how to, how to kick underwater. So I took that to heart. And so when I was 10 years old, like some of these race videos, I would be going under to 15 meters on the start on backstroke. And I'd be going so slow. Like I'd come up behind and then I'd swim like the 10 yards and like catch up and, and, and try to win the race. But it, it really was just like a commitment to it at a young age, just, just staying underwater. Hmm. And then when we got to bowls, I think Caleb, I think Caleb did this too, but Sergio, what he told me is he was like, all right, like we're going to start with two kicks off every wall. That's when you're doing aerobic swimming, two kicks off every wall. And, and then you're probably not super familiar with short course yard swimming, hmm. but short course yards is it's not a long it's not long. No. So if I'm doing two kicks, I mean, you're, you're taking off a couple of breaths per lap too. So, so it started off with two and then he was like, all right, we're going to up it to three. And then when you're doing backstroke sort of pace, you're going six kicks off every wall. Wow. And so we just thought about it like that, just getting in reps at, at a young age. And then long course, we would just go and, and I'm not, I don't want to say that people should do this because I, I know there's like a lot of things around like shallow water blackout. But I think the most important thing with with kicking underwater is just being comfortable underwater. Mm. So we would just go 650s underwater uh, long course on a minute with fins. And it's like, okay, that's going to be hard, obviously, on your on your lungs, but there's no speed requirement. You're just going to go underwater. And so we did that and 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 just got really comfortable kicking underwater and, and I think that we've just kind of been able to build on that when we when we got some strength in our legs in college. And it's almost you did it at the right age, at that pre-pubescent age where you're still growing and developing. And uh, did you ever have your lungs 
tested to see how many liters well you wouldn't know liters i guess you'd do gallons or something over here but have you ever had that measured you must have a huge lung capacity oh i definitely have um i don't know what it is that's okay i won't put you on the spot but but we we do liters we do oh you do do i know it's liters okay well there you go yeah i think the doctors the doctors internationally are probably more aligned than the than the governments I love that. Well, on that, the reason I ask is I had a guy by the name of Kai Hurst on my show. And if you don't know him, you you should should check him out. He's one of those great watermen. He actually went to the Olympics in London for the 10K. But in Australia, he's like the ultimate waterman. He wins the Surf Ironman series, which is the guys that do the the ski paddling and the paddle boards and um, just understanding nature and the waves and how to work it this guy is amazing he then went to the america's cup on those huge yachts you know grinding and i've had him on the podcast he's a fascinating guy um so he's done three sports and been the best in the world at all three and um actually he didn't gold medal at london so if he but he did win world titles anyway his lung capacity got measured at just over 11 liters and when you consider the average man is six liters you guys have to be up there you know you and caleb just the ability to sprint all out and like you said when you're talking short course yards which is about 22.5 meters i think a, a 25 yard pool mm-hmm. um if my math is about 10 percent difference anyway yeah but you're only coming up and getting a, a breath or two going flat out having to go back underwater again kick all the way to the 15 is it 15 yards in a yard pool or 15 meters whatever no, we, we still do 15 meters in a yard pool. so you're still doing 15 meters in a yard pool okay here we go um you're basically holding your breath. And when you're talking a 200 backstroke, you're really not getting a lot of breaths in. It's extraordinary. Yeah, well, it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, everybody. There you go from one of the greatest in the world at doing it. Um, I just think it's <laughs> incredible. Let's have a look at you, your Olympic experiences then. Um, first and foremost, the feeling of qualifying for your first Olympics. Take me through that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in in 2016, the first event is is hundred back for me. So kind of setting the stage of that hundred back, it was a deep field in the U.S. I mean, it was kind of like there were three guys that were really good, myself being one of them. But it was it was me, and I was at trials. I was 20, um, so so I was kind of that young guy, quick quick improvement curve a little bit new this scene. Uh, next was, was David Plummer, mm-hmm. who I think was 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Plummer had dropped like half of half a second that year. Wow. And, and so I think at the age of 30, I, I mean, I don't know if anyone's dropped that much time mm-hmm. at the age of 30 as, as he did. So he was really on fire. And then you had the guy, Matt Reavers, who won in 2012, dominated in 2012. by like 0.7 in the in the hundred back so and he's six eight like an actual like an actual <laughs> specimen so an actual though, specimen. it was it was us three us three lined up and and i knew i was feeling good and, and i think throughout the year like it's it's really easy to get caught up in in a race when you've got that many good guys but i kind of just got to the point throughout the year that i was thinking it's on me like if i swim to my potential i will make the team and so I, I kind of got past the point of worrying what Reavers was doing or, or what Palmer was doing. 
and, and started to really be able to focus in on myself. And, and I think that was probably the first year that I, that I kind of made that sort of confidence jump. Hmm. And so going into the heat or going into the final, I was feeling good at the meet. Um, the semi swim was really, really good that I had. And so I thought I was going to go, I thought I was going to go a lot faster than I did in semis. So I got into the final and I was, I mean, I was freaking out. I was super nervous. Like you, I mean, you know, the feeling like when you've got, you, the, did you need the bucket? <laughs> no, no, not quite. Not quite. I mean, honestly, I was probably pretty close, Yeah. but <laughs> yeah. So I got into the swim and I swam it a little bit tense, ended up making the team with, with David Plummer. I mean, it was just incredible. Like the, the facility that Olympic trials is in, I mean, we pack like 16,000 people into there when there's 16,000 people like clapping and cheering. It's, it's just a really, it's a really cool feeling. And, and I was able to kind of spot where like the Cal group was sitting. And, and so that's cool. Like you, you feel really accomplished and, it, and it's almost a sense of relief mm-hmm. when, when you do it. And it's just kind of like a, a flood of different emotions, like especially at trials. It's like, okay, like that was a goal. Uh, that was a huge goal, but it's kind of like, that was like the prerequisite, the prerequisite class you had to, you had to pass mm-hmm. in order uh, to take the class you really wanted to take. <laughs> so that that's kind of how I viewed it. It's like, okay, like I'm now on to the thing that I've, that I've really, really thought a lot about. And so that was, that was just a really cool feeling. Because you qualified first, that got you the opportunity to be the, on the medley relay with you know, none other than Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. That must have been an added bonus, or was that not really a thing that you were worried about? Yeah. So that honestly, like that kind of comes later. Like, there's no, like in the U.S. I don't know how it is in in Australia or, or other places, but in the U.S., I mean, we're basing everything off of the Olympics. So, like, getting first at trials, it's I mean, first and second are the exact same. Oh, okay. Oh, us. okay. So they don't pick the medley team off that. Gotcha. Yeah. So they, they picked the medley team. I mean, you're getting like 24 hours notice at the Olympics on the medley team. Ah, okay. Cause it's whoever does best in the, in the race itself. Exactly. Okay. And that exactly. was that hundred meter at the Olympics between, you know, that was so close, right? I mean, you, you won it, but to yeah. have two Americans on the podium, you know, it is mm-hmm. it, definitely close between you and um, Plummer for that medley relay. Oh, totally. I mean, you never think about that. I mean, like it's in the U.S. There's just so much pride that that we have in in our country that it's like you. Everyone wants the best person up there, so like you don't really you don't even think about it. Like you don't think about like you don't think that you're competing against your countrymen at at any point. A quick mini break just to remind you to go check out any question. You can go to anyquestion.com forward slash Ryan Murphy. That's anyquestion.com forward slash Ryan Murphy. I mean, you turn up to Rio. I don't know. It really couldn't have gone much better. I mean, gold in the 100, gold in the 200. (laughs) Lead off for the medley relay, set a world record in the lead off for the medley relay that goes on to break the Olympic rel- uh, record uh, alongside Nathan Adrian, um, Michael Phelps, and your breaststroker, uh, Cody Miller. Cody Miller, thank you very much. I mean, boxes ticked all the way across. 
I mean, <laughs> is it like, boom, drop the mic, yeah. I'm done? <laughs> Where do you yeah, go from was, there? I mean, it's exceptional. Yeah, I was. I mean, that was that was just an incredible meet. Like we just, I mean, sometimes you really just nail a taper and and you can you can get firing off really well, and and that's honestly what happened there. Like we were, we just really had that taper dialed in. So yeah, I mean, going through it, like the hundred back was was awesome. Like I. Like I felt really, really good about like how I was coming home in my races. So on her back, like I, I'm typically a guy where like I'll, I'll try to start off ahead and then hold the lead. Mm. And the hundred back, like I came back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I think I was fourth at the turn, and then, and then really dropped the hammer the the last twenty five. So I felt really good about that. And then the two hundred back, well, the two hundred back was was interesting because the big competition the two hundred back was was an Australian, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch Larkin. Mm-hmm. And Mitch was just on fire. Like Mitch was on fire the, the whole year before. And so going into the meet, like my thought process was, I mean, it was a little bit different than trials and trials. I was thinking, all right, all right, if I hit my potential, I'm, I'm winning. And at the Olympics, I was like, if I hit my potential in the hundred back, I'll win 200 back. I could go really good. And and still lose uh, if Mitch is if Mitch is firing off. So that's awesome. That one was nerve wracking just because Mitch is Mitch is a freak. <laughs> but ended up like getting that one done, and, and that was that was awesome. Let me let me talk through that one real quick. That two hundred because that third fifty of yours. I mean, that was the race plan. Just I have to open up a meter gap and hold it for the rest because it was like you came off that wall to start that third fifty. And that's where you kind of opened that half body length. Was that your race plan all along? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and it, it's not like I, I didn't like make that race plan to like beat a certain person. I really just thought that was like the best way for me to swim it. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it was it was really well executed. I mean, like from from kind of like those last ten meters into the hundred turn into the one fifty, like it was. I was I was moving really really well and. I mean, when you're swimming against a guy like Mitch, who, I mean, knowing a little bit about Mitch's training, like he's a fitness freak. I mean, he just, <laughs> he gets into really, really good shape. And, and so he's not gonna, he's not gonna be dying at the end of a race. Like he's going to be coming home really well. And so you want to put some distance on a guy like that. And luckily I was able to do that. And then really just kind of like barely held it together the last 25. Um, he was coming. So luckily the race was, yeah, luckily the race was just two hundred. <laughs> yeah, not two hundred and one. It was uh, a. Yeah, it, it was really fun to watch rewatching all of these. You know, I remember watching them obviously, but you know, it's eight. What is it? Six years ago. It was fun to go back. But take me through the the medley relay a bit and being on a a team with arguably you know the greatest Olympian of all time. And it was that his final race, or he had one more even after. Yeah, that, that was that was his last that race. That was his last race. Yeah, and you headed off the team for them. That one was great. I mean, it was it was awesome because I was just on I was on cloud nine with with how my individual events had gone. So I I was walking in with a ton of confidence, um, feeling good. I mean, even so, like I remember the the night before, I was having dinner with with Cody, mm. and Cody's like, "Man, like, are you pretty nervous for this relay?" And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, like I'll be nervous for the relay." And Cody's like, "Man, I'm really nervous. Like, we cannot screw this up for Michael." <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought I thought that was hilarious. It's like, 
here we are. Like we're trying to, we're trying to win a gold medal. And, and Cody's like, you know, like Michael doesn't lose. And poor, and poor <laughs> so, Cody, poor Cody has to go up against Adam Peaty, the, the greatest breaststroker of all time oh, from Britain, yeah. you know? Yeah, he, oh. oh yeah. He was in a tough situation there. Yeah. So he was like, Oh, we can't screw this up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, you're right. Like, we cannot screw this up. I got to be really on top of this tomorrow. <laughs> really, like, the theme of the whole meet for me was Michael was our team captain in 2016. And whenever Michael walks anywhere, like, people turn and watch what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, for that, however long it is, however long they're staring, like, whether it's two seconds or 30 seconds, for that amount of time, like, they're they're knocked off their game. They're knocked off their plan. Mm. Like I noticed that pretty, I mean, pretty much the first day I was at the Olympics. And so I would just kind of walk behind the guy. Like I'd walk behind him, and, and you could see it's like, whether it was an athlete, a coach, a volunteer, a media person, every single person would stop and watch Michael when he, when he was around, it was the same way in the ready room. Like we walked into the ready room and every single swimmer stops and looks at him. And so that, that second I'm like, all right, like I've got a ton of confidence because I've been around Michael now for three weeks. Like I don't, I don't really care how he ties his shoes anymore. Like I was just kind of like, okay, I'm comfortable with this. And so right, right before the race, like Michael's like, all right, like let's, let's gather around. Um, so like we're, we're getting in a huddle and, and Michael looks at us and he was like, all right, all of you guys deserve to be here. Let's do it. And it's like, all right, like that was not, it didn't really fire me up that much. It wasn't that great of a speech, but I was just so fired up to be on a relay with him that like, he could have said, he could have said anything and I would have been, (laughs) I would have been ecstatic. And so we get behind the blocks. Like we, we get ready to go. I'm, I'm doing my race. I was kind of in a lucky position in that race. Cause, uh, at that point, like Britain's backstroker was, was not, like was not mm. uh, great at the hundred. So I was really far ahead. <laughs> um, and so I was like, man, I'm, I'm hauling ass here. Uh, and, and that, that's a great feeling to have. So I hit the wall, uh, got the record time and it's like, all right, that's awesome. Like I did a little fist pump, but like you're, you're in a relay race. So you like, you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to like make it about yourself. I get up, I'm, I'm cheering for the relay, like right away. Uh, we end up sealing the deal, and and then after after the race, Michael Michael's like, "All right, like there we go, guys." And then he looks at me, he was like, "Was that the world record?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" And he was like, "He was like, there we go, dude." And, and I thought that was just like, I thought that was sweet. I mean, it's just like all this stuff I'm saying about Michael, he didn't say anything like out of the ordinary, but just because of like who he is, yeah, uh, it really it really meant a lot. That's so cool. And that was his final Olympic gold. You guys did it together. You did it in Olympic record. Just what a special Olympics. I just, for you and, and your journey into your world of, you know, ultimately becoming the athlete that you are, that was such a, a moment, you know, and to be able to share it with the greatest and, and the teammates, Nathan Adrian and Cody Miller, just, I just, I don't know. I can sense the camaraderie and, and the special feeling that that must have been for you all. Now, fast forward, we go to Tokyo. You again qualify for the 100-200. This time around, you know, gold, and uh, sorry, a silver and a bronze. Take mm-hmm. me through those experiences where, 
was that did you feel good about those because you had a good swim like internally or did you feel like ah there was more or, or what were those what was that like yeah yeah so i mean in 20 in 2021 i mean comparing to 2016 and you could probably touch on this greg i mean like olympics are just different mm-hmm. i mean one olympics to another is just different mm-hmm. so like in 2016 like rio was Rio was a great experience, but like, I mean, there were definitely things that, that could have been done better. Um, in 2021, it was a completely different experience. I mean, the the makeup of the team was so different. So going from being a a first time Olympian and and being kind of able to walk behind Michael Phelps, well now, now I'm one of the captains. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to, you got to you kind of have to step up into that role and, and realize that it's like, okay, like I've got experience here. And that did give me a lot of confidence kind of being in that role. And then going into the races, I mean, I think kind of going throughout the whole year, I mean, we did some serious, serious work. And and I was really hoping that it came together in a taper the same way that it did in, in Rio. Uh, and that didn't really happen. I, I didn't really feel that great in the water, hmm. which is fine. I mean, that's like you get very used to that as an athlete. And so it's like, all right, like, this is what I've got. Like, let's go out there and, and see what I can do. And so going through the the hundred back after the semis, after prelims, I was nervous. I was like, Ooh, that prelim did not feel good. I was seated like 12th going into the semi. Wow. And then I was like, okay, like I got to step on it a little bit more in semi. So semis, I, I had a good swim, ended up coming in to the finals as top seat. And I was like, all right, like I, I felt like I had a little bit more, a little bit more gas in the tank for the final. And, and really the final was kind of similar to like 2016 Olympic trials where like I was, I swam a little bit tight. Like I just didn't, I didn't really have that, that sort of flow. I I had a long turn at the 50, which is just, you don't want to do that in an Olympic final. Like you, by that point you want your details to really be dialed in. So I have a long turn, uh, which kind of like kills a little bit of the speed, come off the wall, still had a good underwater and then it just kind of locked up the last 15. And so getting out of that one, it was like, all right, like it was my fastest time of the season. I was 52-1, which 52-1 is a, is a really nice time, like really nice time. Your world record was still there. What, your 50.085 was the world record you set in that relay, yeah. right? 50, yeah, 51.8. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, your point point three off of it with a long turn, like that's, mm. that's a nice swim. Mm. I felt good about it. I was like, all right, like, you know, a little, little slip up on the wall there, but that's okay. I, I kind of ran into guys that were really firing off. I mean, 51.9 and 52.0, that those are really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Like any, any year, but 2016 and 2012, 52.4 wins. Yeah. Right. So half a second up. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not like in this time, 52.4 is like sixth. Wow. It was just a really, really fast heat. Yeah. I mean, that, that happens sometimes. I think as athletes, like you're trying to go as fast as you can go, you can't really control what you're running into. So that one, I was like, okay, you know, bummer, but that's okay. Like move on to the, to, I think the 200 back was next. So 200 backs next 200 back I did not feel good. I mean, that one was just like, I just did not feel good in that one. So I, I ended up getting silver there and, and that was fine. Like it, some days you just don't, you don't have it. Um, and it just happened that the Olympic final was on a day where I really did not feel good. Hmm. Um, so I was bummed about that, but you can't, 
like you can't really control, like you do everything you can, but you can't control how you're going to feel. And so then moving into the mixed medley, mixed medley was good. Like I, I showed him a nice leg on there. And then we just, we got unlucky. I mean, we were swimming next to a, I think we were swimming next to Britain and they, now I can't remember who we were swimming next to, but either way, the person we were swimming next to went two guys first. And then when you're going a mixed, a mixed relay, like when you have a guy swimming next to a girl, like there's just so many waves Oh yeah, and, and it's, it's pretty hard to deal with. So you, so Lydia jumps in and, and her goggles come off too. So she's swimming through a oh, bunch of waves. Seeing she's she 17. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She can't, she can't see a thing. Mm. And so like, she doesn't go a split that like that she could, you know, mm. like she probably could have been, she probably could have been close to a second faster if her goggles stay on. Mm. And then Tori jumps in. Tori's swimming through a lot of waves too. Mm. Tori had a nice, had a nice leg, but there's, I mean, there was just a lot of waves. And so she, she heard a little bit at the end and then Caleb jumps in. Caleb did fine, but we were so far behind at that point. It was just like, it was kind of like shell shock. We ended up getting fifth. Mm. I mean, then you go into the the media zone and the U S doesn't normally get fifth. No. So we go into the media zone and we're just getting asked like rude question after rude question. So it was kind of like, man, you know, like that was not a fun experience. And I mean, Caleb had to go, I think Caleb, Caleb had like a triple that night. So he was able to <laughs> bypass the media. So I'm sitting here with two teenage girls yeah, and they're just getting ripped with questions. And it's, uh, that's a little bit tough to, to deal with. So I was, I was trying to kind of like take the heat on that one. And then once you're through that zone, it's like, all right, that's over and done with. Like we got to, we got to refocus for the men's medley relay. And, and then the men's medley relay was, was incredible. Mm. I mean, we bounced back really well after that mixed medley. I could kind of take you through the story of the, of the medley relay. I'm yeah. talking for a long time here. I'm, no, I'm, I'm going on. I'm sorry. I, I'm here and, and just absolutely visualizing and loving it. So just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so going into that, that final relay, I mean, throughout the meet, like, like I had, I had a good, not great meet. Michael Andrew was, was a little bit disappointed how he was doing. Caleb was having a really nice meet, uh, but he his his event schedule is pretty backloaded. So he was just kind of swimming a lot of events, um, like two or three events the last three days. Wow! So he he just had a lot on his plate. And then uh, Zach Apple was really really nice in the hundred free. Um, he had a bit of a bummer on like the eight hundred free relay. So he was his confidence kind of needed to be boosted a little bit. So we, we had a little meeting going into the, the night before the, the medley relay and finals were in the morning. So the night before is, is really the last time you could have a meeting like this. So, uh, Durden was kind of like, all right, these are our guys. D- Dave Durden's the head coach, right? I just saw everybody knows. Correct. Yeah. And Dave Durden's my coach at Cal too. Of course. So, yeah. Yep. yeah so he's, I mean, obviously I know him really well. Mm. So this is a pretty typical speech for him, but I think the other guys, the other guys aren't used to dirt in. So they thought it was like really, really good. <laughs> so, so he's like, all right, like these are, this is our four guys. This is our lineup. He was like, and I'm going to read you off the, the world record splits for the relay. And so he reads it off and it's like, I think it's like 52, one, 58, 58 mid, 50 point low, 46 high. And he was like, do any of those splits sound familiar? And it was basically all times that we had gone throughout the meet. 
Dave was like, look, in the past week, we've all gone splits and swam races that will break this world record. So have some confidence walking up there, do what you do and realize like nothing changes in a week. Like your body is not any different in a week. Get up there and, and, and perform with everything you've got. And so we, we kind of get off of that, get out of that meeting and, and we're all pretty jazzed up. And so it's like, okay, like we're fired up. How do we settle ourselves down now to, <laughs> to try to get some sleep? We, we end up just kind of chilling like end up, end up sleeping, going the next day. We're in lane one, uh, which was, which was awesome. So we, we go in lane one, um, we dominate, I mean, really probably, I mean, we were, we were pretty good. We were pretty far ahead after backstroke. What did you swim? What did, what did you swim in the backstroke there? Can you remember? I think I was 52-2. Perfect. Okay. I think I was, I was pretty much the same time every time I swam at the Olympics. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> man, I, was, I could go 52-2. I, I think I went 52-2, like plus like 0.02 either direction. So yeah. like 52-18, like 52-32. I went that six times this summer. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty consistent. And so that one, like we were good on – we were really nice at the 200. I, mean, I think we were, we were probably right with Britain, which is where you want to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll take Caleb and Zappel, uh, <laughs> at the back end. Like that's probably the best back end you can have there. So it's <laughs> pretty exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we like, we like being in that position where it's like, we could do if we're even at the 200 we're we're rocking. And so Caleb had a really nice leg. And then Zappel, Zappel brought it home, had a really nice leg. I think he went the same exact split that he did on day one of the meet, which was huge. Ended up winning that relay. And then we just, I mean, it's the end of the meet. So like one, you're thinking about like, oh yes, like we, we won the goal. We broke a world record, but then two, it's like, oh, like we are done oh, with this meet. Relief. Like, that yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. It, it's because with the schedule, it's like I swam eight days in a row. I had a race every single day for eight days in a row. And, and a lot of those guys on the relay had a pretty packed schedule. So we were, we were tired at the end of that. Yeah. Emotionally is what more than physically almost just having to get yourself up. You know, there's this emotional energy of just going, Oh, where can I find it again? I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any of us felt nice. I don't think any of us felt nice going into that relay. Uh, We were all hurt. And so it's like, all right, we got to dig deep here. And we did. And so we celebrated our asses off behind the blocks. It was sweet. I mean, that was, that was probably the hardest <laughs> I've ever celebrated. So it was, that was awesome. I mean, that was just a really, really fun experience. And, and it was cool doing it with those guys. They were all really excited. And then we were all getting sentimental after it was, it was just a really cool experience. I, I just think that's really exceptional. Your Olympic career, you've had seven opportunities you know, at the Olympics to win medals and you've gone full gold, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got a silver, a bronze, and then, yeah, okay, you've got your fifth in the, the mixed relay. But honestly, it's pretty exceptional, mate. How, how, how has, you know, the success that you've had, you know, affected your life, you know, going forward? Now that you're a professional swimmer, you're not at college anymore, is, you know, has it affected you the way that you would have hoped, um, I guess, finances come into it you know have you got some good sponsors behind you has the accolades been there beyond swimming i mean you're almost transcending the sport of just swimming now when you when you say you know you're one of the great olympians out there yeah yeah i mean it's it has been a really cool experience i mean obviously i've been i've been fortunate on the on the sponsor side to have 
companies like Speedo and, and Goldfish Swim School, they've been really with me the whole way. And so that's really cool to have some long-term partners there. I was, I was lucky in the Olympics. I had Eli Lilly and Bridgestone Tire supporting me. Those kind of come and go with the Olympics. Right. But those long-term partners, I, I'm really appreciative of them. And then in terms of like my life, I mean, I think the, I think there's two, there's two things that, that the Olympics give you that are, that are really, I view it as invaluable. Hmm. So one of those is, is confidence. I mean, the first thing, the first thing that I ever really put a ton of effort towards, I was able to be successful at. That's not realistic, obviously in, in any, in every category of, of whatever I want to do next. But I mean, it, it gives me a lot of confidence that if I, if I put in the effort, I know how to put in the effort. I, I know how to, I know how to work hard. I know how to learn what I need to improve on. And so I, I'm taking a lot of confidence that was really built through the swimming and, and it's helping me out in every aspect of my life. I'm just a more confident person. Hmm. And then I think the other thing that, that the Olympics bring and, and, and it's really cool is and, and honestly, the the place where I figured this out is I was at a bachelor party and one of the guys I'd never met before kind of said this to me. He was like, he was like going to the Olympics and, and winning an Olympic medal. That's, that's an accomplishment that everyone respects. Mm-hmm. He was like, if you're, if you're a good like business person, if you're uh, a good politician, if you've made a lot of money, I mean, or if you're a really successful athlete, but you make a lot of money there's a lot of people that kind of dislike you for that, Mm. but the Olympics is different. I mean, it's, it kind of is probably bred more out of like the amateur mindset, but I mean, we're not doing this for, we're not doing this for like money or fame. I mean, we're doing it because we, we really enjoy the sport that we're doing. I think that shows through. I think people can respect that. I've really enjoyed being able to, to, to kind of capitalize on my Olympic experience by meeting by meeting people, mm-hmm. like meeting someone like you, Craig, I think the Olympics has allowed me to, to meet a lot of really cool, driven, successful people. And that's something that I really do appreciate. Both Ed and I, we reached out to you and we had a meeting with you, I don't know, a couple of months ago now. And, and we hung up from that call and, and both Ed and I were like, wow, you know, a confident guy, but is curious ask great questions. Uh, we were blown away by you. And, and I think like you sort of said, just gaining that confidence because look, I've, I've done this thing well and I can do that, you know, thing in the future. Well, you have achieved so much. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, you're 26. What else is there that you hope to achieve in, in your swimming career? Obviously you're loving the community. You're loving the brotherhood that you have with, with guys like Caleb Dressel and, and Paris Olympics is closer than, than, you know, you'd probably used to in terms of an Olympic cycle, but, um, you know, what else is there for you? The things I love about swimming are, are the things that I've always loved about swimming. It's, it's the competition. It's that constant idea of, of trying to find little areas to improve. Uh, swimming allows me to wake up with a sense of urgency every day. Mm -hmm. and, And those are things that I really, that I really like. Um, so those are the things that kind of drive me on the day to day like long-term goals. I think everyone wants to do things that that few people have done. So I think, I mean, a big goal of mine is, is trying to, is trying to medal in the hundred and 200 backstroke in 2024. I don't, I don't know. I haven't really looked this up, but I, I can't really think of too many people that have, 
uh, medaled in two events or, or two backstroke events at three consecutive Olympics. So, mm. so that's a, that's a big goal of mine is, Very is cool. to kind of just keep on trying to push myself against like history. But then the day to day, I mean, there's always good people coming up and, and that really keeps me fresh and keeps me motivated. Good man. No, I think it's fantastic. And I, I wish you all the very best of success, you know, as you approach up to, to Paris. And we got world championships uh, on the horizon here in Budapest. You know, that's the immediate future. What else is on their calendar? I, I think the, the ISL swimming's been postponed for this year. I, um, but, but next sure. year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, my plan for, for this summer is, is knock on wood, hopefully make worlds, do worlds. And then I'm going to take, I'm going to take a, a decent break for me. I'm probably going to take a month and a half, two months off, maybe mm-hmm. really get into some of these, get into some of these other interests that, that you're aware of, Greg, like I've got a, mm-hmm. I'm joining in with a, with a venture, with a venture capital group as a limited partner out here. And so I'll do a little bit of work for them. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but just trying to dip my toe into, into an industry that, that I think I have a long-term interest in. And, and I could do that while I'm swimming. So that's, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm really pumped to, to kind of get into that and, and to have a little bit of time to go and, and visit someone like my sister or brother uh, or my parents. Cause we're, I'm in California, my brother's in Colorado, my sister's in Chicago and my parents are in Florida. So yeah. we're kind of all over. Uh, so I'm excited to, to visit them a little bit too. Oh, that sounds fantastic, mate. And and look with you with your VC work that you're doing, I'm sure that we'll have we'll be connecting later on. Um, and for everybody listening, they can find you on any question. Mm-hmm. You've got over a hundred answers on there. Really fantastic. Um, I did. I was going to go through a whole heap of them, and and we sort of got sidetracked just listening to wonderful stories of your Olympic campaigns. That I just wanted to stay on topic with with that. So, but people can go to any question. Um, you know, go to any question com ryan murphy if you want to sign up go check it out it's free for the first hour and you can you know ask ryan questions that i maybe missed uh, or listen to just all the amazing content that you've already created there and you know we can't thank you enough for being on the platform um just having somebody like yourself the status i'm not sure you even realize the impact that you have and how fortunate i feel on this end just to be able to have this conversation with you it's a it's a real privilege and i, I don't take it for granted so so thanks for coming on the show mate of course of course thanks for having me and and i also feel really grateful that uh that you guys want to have me on the any question platform i think some stuff i say i'm like ah you know, i think that's good other stuff i'm like i, I, I don't know who's gonna want to listen to that so, <laughs> that's funny we, we, we laugh on it with, with brett hawk who you know and he's like guys this one's a 500 answer this one's five thousand he puts a rating on it and he goes yeah this one's a two dollar answer." and not to you about you know we have 60 of the world's greatest swimmers and swim coaches on 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 the swimming channel um and yourself and caleb dressel and then the the coaches that we yeah. have on there are just Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Dave Durden, and uh, Michael Boll from Australia. Bob Bauman mm-hmm. just joined up. Michael Phelps's coach, um, James Gibson, who was on the podcast last week. It was just Sergio, who we've talked about several times on this show, and the list just mm-hmm. goes on and on and on. And the content there is just absolutely mind-boggling. What's already yeah. there? I think there's seven thousand answers we have on the platform from the swimmers. And swimming only launched about eight weeks ago. Uh, so really exceptional mm-hmm. work that you're all doing. Um, 
So it is, it is an honor to have you. I'm very optimistic for the platform, especially as I mean, especially as it continues to build out, and then you've got the subscriber base growing. It's going to be a lot of fun, yeah, to to see where any question can go. Yeah, I, it is, mate. Well, this has been awesome. I don't want to take all your day. I know you've probably got recovery and second swims coming up, and you've got world championship trials. You know, all the very very best of success. Um, for you know the rest of your career and all your venture capitalist um, work that you you got on the horizon as well, mate. Been a real pleasure. Awesome, uh, awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate the time from you as well. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page, or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode. So subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.